You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily Penn State Nittany Lions podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Nittany Lions. I'm your host, Stephen Pianovich. It is Tuesday, October 30th, 2018, Penn State getting ready for a showdown at the Big House this weekend, Nittany Lions traveling to Ann Arbor to face Jim Harbaugh's Michigan team, Michigan in the top five of that AP poll, favorites in the Big Ten, favorites, possibly, I guess not favorites to make the college football playoff, but certainly in that discussion, Nittany Lions can head up there and play spoiler. And what what would be a really, really nice road win? You'd have to think it's the best road win of James Franklin's Penn State career. And uh, it could be a big one, but Penn State is a Double-digit underdog. We'll get into that. We'll get into the, the whole Michigan game and that and that stat with John McGonigal of the Center Daily Times. He's going to join us here on today's show in just a few moments. We'll also tie up some loose ends from the Iowa game, so we'll have that. Uh, if you've missed Monday's show, we recapped Iowa in our Monday Rewind, Penn State's 30-24 to win over the Hawkeyes. We had what we saw, what we heard, what it means. So you can go back and check out that show if uh, if you missed our Iowa recap. But today, we'll talk a little bit of Iowa, a little bit of Trace McSorley, and a little bit of Michigan with John McGonigal from the Center Daily Times. Here's our interview with John. All right, I'm happy to be joined now by John McGonigal of the Center Daily Times. John, thank you so much again for joining us here. How are you, and uh, what are you thinking after uh, watching the Nittany Lions barely beat Iowa on Saturday? Thanks for having me, Piano. I'm um, feeling good, and I'm I'm thinking a lot of things uh, after that mm-hmm. game. Uh, first, you know, the, the first thing that comes to mind is Trace McSorley and, and kind of that gutty performance. I mean, you, you've seen it from him so many times over his Penn State career, but for him to come back from what looked like a knee injury, a right knee injury, obviously not serious enough, you know, for the cart to get brought out, but you know, for him to come out there rip off that 51-yard touchdown run, prove to himself that he could do it, prove to the fans and the coaching staff that he could do it, and you know, spark Penn State when they really needed it. That's what stands out to me. There are a lot of positives, though, um, uh, other positives from this game. It was a weird game. Obviously, you know, Iowa with 17 points on special teams, two safeties, two field goals, and a 10-yard pass from a punter to a backup defensive end, which is lovely. Uh, that that's what you want to see from special teams coordinator Phil Galliano. But um, hey, James Franklin really liked that catch. He did. I don't he know why. Catch and he's like, hey, I wasn't as impressed as James Franklin was. Yeah, well, James Franklin said, "Yeah, he's on scholarship too." Granted, he's on scholarship as a defensive end, not necessarily a wide receiver. But it was a good play. Uh, uh, sure. Perfectly executed by Iowa. Um, but yeah, just just a, a a bunch of stuff out of that game. DeAndre Tompkins, uh, solid bounce back performance. K.J. Hamler did a good job. Pat Fryer moved four touchdowns now in his last five games. You know, uh, so, some oh, and, and Jake Pinnegar, Iowa kid, hits yeah. four, four or sorry, uh, three field goals of forty yards or more, and that's that could be a turning point for that kid's career. I mean, he could be a four-year starter for Penn State at kicker, and that might we might look back three, four years from now, three years from now maybe, and say this is the game that that really turned it for him. So. Uh, some positives coming out of it and, and some, some, some iffy spots too heading into Michigan. Yeah, for sure. I, I want to touch on a few of these things you mentioned. We can start with Trace. And I was just thinking, like, the first thing that came to my mind was, like, I don't think I've ever 
seen him like even come off the field uh, due to an injury. Like, yeah. as and have you ever seen that? And and what did you think about the way he played after he came back? I've never seen it. Uh, he was actually asked after the game, "Have you ever seen the inside of the blue medical tent?" And he's like, "No." And I'm like, "Oh, well, what's it like in there?" And he's like, "Well, there's a table, and that's pretty much it." So I'm like, "Okay, Exciting. sounds good. Exciting stuff." Uh, but yeah, that is that is crazy that, that a kid who has taken that many hits, that mm-hmm. has made that many plays uh, for Penn State in the running game, especially over the last three years now, that he's never seen the inside of the medical tent, that he's never really had to, he's never had to exit the game due to injury. Uh, you know, from what we know, I mean, I, he, I'm sure he's played hurt before. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised by it. Just the the way that his, the way that he approaches the game, his attitude, his toughness, you know, all the. All the synonyms there for tough. Trace McSorley kind of embodies. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was a really really impressive performance. Uh, just when you think you can kind of count the kid out, you can't. And uh, that fifty-one yard touchdown run surprised everyone. I mean, it, it surprised when I went back to rewatch the game. ESPN, you know, the play-by-play announcer Steve Levy was like, "Oh well, Iowa knows that he can't run the ball like he did last week," and then <laughs> put everyone in the box. Yeah, on cue, he, he makes that run. So. No, it was uh, you know, you look at the final stat line. I mean, I think it was a, I think it was eleven of twenty five for one hundred sixty seven yards. Had the touchdown uh, to Fryermuth. Had a pick, pick six, uh, which yeah. was a pretty bad throw. Uh, he tried to force that in there. Didn't see the safety over top. But uh, all things considered, uh, pretty gutty performance by McSorley. An emotional one as well. Uh, you know, he got some words from encouragement from his uh, dad and family after uh, going down with a knee injury, and, and he said that that helped him power through it. So even uh, even guys like Trace McSorley need need to pick me up here and there. Yeah, and uh, just to be clear, we're recording this on Monday night. James Franklin hasn't had his weekly press conference yet, but you don't see any reason why he wouldn't be able to go this weekend? No, he was asked about it after the game, if he'll be available at Michigan. His his response was, well, I played tonight, so I don't see why not. So even if he is dealing with you know, an injury, even if, you know, that means he has to put the right, right. The, the knee brace back on, which he said in the past he doesn't like, but, you know, he'll deal with it. Uh, I would fully expect him to play at Michigan. Yeah, yeah, same here. And, you know, those things just swell up, but still, hopefully it will swell back down by Saturday afternoon. Uh, while we're on the quarterbacks real quickly, just, just what did you think of Tommy Stevens coming in there for – I don't know, one and a half drives or whatever it ended up being. Uh, it was really the first time we've ever seen him take meaningful snaps as a full-time quarterback for a whole drive. Uh, just what do you think of his brief time under center or well, in the backfiel? <laughs> yeah, Penze doesn't go under center. That's piano, right, yeah. Sorry. Um, there was one play that really stuck out to me with Tommy. This was the, you know, when, when Trace had, you know, hobbled his way into the locker room you know, with, uh, I guess, 40 seconds or so left in, you know, left in the first half. And, I mean, Iowa did with the – I don't know why Iowa ran that fake or ran that play uh, because they could have just killed the clock and Penn State would have went to halftime happy. But, you know, Tommy Stevens gets an opportunity to drive Penn State down into field goal range. And on third down, he faces three Iowa blitzers and stands in the pocket with his tall stature, makes a great throw to K.J. Hamler on the outside for an 18-yard completion. It was a bullet. 
he knew he was going to get hit, but he stood in there anyway and he threw it. And at that moment, you're like, you know, QB2 is looking a little like QB1 right now. And, you know, there was only a couple of those moments. It were really the only times he had the opportunity because it was just one and a half series. He, you know, bowled over a guy for a three-yard touchdown uh, earlier in the half after the 44-yard uh, interception returned by John Reed. I thought he looked, I thought he looked solid. Uh, I, you know, I didn't expect anything more, anything less out of him. And, uh, and he did have a nice throw to Brandon Polk as well. It would have been a tough catch for Brandon Polk to haul it in, but probably could have caught it. That would have went for like a 30-yard gain. So I, I liked what I saw out of Tommy. Yeah, and I honestly think like one of the things that surprised me the most, and you're probably different because you see him at practice all the time, but just the juxtaposition of Trace McSorley at <laughs> listed at six foot, maybe more like 5'11", versus Tommy Stevens, who is a big dude in there. Like it was, it is a very different look. Yeah. He is a unit. Uh, it is, it is different because, you know, like you said, you're used to seeing McSorley back there and he's height wise. He's kind of on even playing field with, you know, miles and, and for the past couple of years, Saquon. And then when you, you, when you look at Tommy just towering over miles, it is pretty funny. But you know, when we see that in practice, when Tommy's running with the second team, you know, we, we've seen Tommy, run the second team with Mark Allen by his side. And that that juxtaposition yeah. is massive. <laughs> Mark Allen is 5'6". <laughs> Tommy Stevens is 6'5". Um, so yeah, it, it is a little bit different look back there. For sure, for sure. And uh, one other thing you did mention off the bat that I wanted to talk about was Penn State's special teams, which have been pretty yeah. bad all year. Jake Pinniger was good mm-hmm. on Saturday. That was like the only real highlight for them. But the past two or three weeks, especially the punting game, the return games, the uh, they've gotten beat on fakes twice in a row that have resulted in, resulted in touchdowns. Uh, why do you think Penn State special teams have been so lackluster? And what does this mean for a first team special teams coordinator in, in Phil Guyano? Look, it, it hasn't been the, it has not been a banner year for Phil Galliano. Like you mentioned, the, the safeties, the, the punting play. I mean, Blake Gillikin. Oh, right. yeah. you know, Blake Gillikin is a great punter, but he just hasn't had it uh, over the last few weeks. James Franklin talked about that after the Indiana game when he had some poor punts. He, he didn't look great against Michigan State or Ohio State either. Uh, you know, KJ Hamler did have a 67-yard touchdown. Or sorry, not touchdown. Uh, he thought he was going to score a 67-yard kickoff return uh, against mm-hmm. Iowa on Saturday, which was a bright spot for them. And you mentioned Pinnaker, you know, hitting three field goals from 40 yards or more. That's the first time since 2013 that Sam Ficken did that. The Penn State has had a kicker have three field goals of 40 yards or more. So it was a really good performance by Pinnaker. But yeah, I, I mean, the the special team blunders have been abundant. You know, they, they've had three onside kicks recovered on them. You've seen fakes work. Uh, you know, for Michigan State just a few weeks ago, and then Iowa. And James Franklin said after the game that that play, that 10-yard pass from you know, the Iowa's punter, Colton Rastetter, to backup defensive end Sam Brinks, that they Penn State worked on that play in practice ad nauseum all week at practice. So, like, how do you get beat then? If yeah, <laughs> that makes it a lot worse. <laughs> yeah, that, that makes it worse almost. Like the fact that he, he's admitting that, hey, we worked this play and they still, you know, it's a matter of execution on the players. Sure. Like the, the snaps should have been better. Um, 
But a lot of, you know, part of that has to fall on your special teams coordinator. And this is one point that I, I've kind of made over the past few days and just talking to other writers. And we were talking about this uh, in the press box, actually, on Saturday. You look at, you know, Penn State special teams under Charles Huff. Uh, you know, he, he was the running backs coach, too. And, and the special teams coordinate, you know, the special teams were pretty solid, all things considered for Penn State mm-hmm. over the past couple of years. And this is a guy who had his, uh, you know, had duties elsewhere. You know, he was he had to coach the running back. Galliano, this special teams is his baby. That's the only thing he's mm-hmm. kind of got going on, and uh, it hasn't been a, a great first year for the uh, for the former analyst. Yeah, it's something to keep an eye on. I know some people have already clamored about a possible change to James Franklin's staff, though. I'd, I'd imagine that would come if it does come. Uh, it would at least wait until the regular season would be over. Yeah, yeah. James isn't a guy who who would who would ever do something like. Midseason, uh, he, he's mentioned before. He's loyal, possibly loyal to a fault, uh, and and you know if if a situation comes up like that with Galliano or maybe even wide receivers coach David Corley, because um, fans have been you know yep. expressing their frustration around him as well. Uh, something like that wouldn't happen until until after the season. If you're listening to this podcast, there's a good chance you're a college football fanatic. You don't just want to watch the game; you need to watch the game. That's why I'm telling you, you need to check out Sling TV. For just 30 bucks a month, you get ESPN, Pac-12 Network, the SEC Network, and more. You can stream the big games on your big screen and all your favorite devices with Sling TV. Sling TV gives you the live TV you love, but it's better. There are no useless channels, no long-term contracts, no hidden fees, and you can cancel at any time. If you want to check out Sling TV... Locked on Nittany Lions listeners can get a special seven-day free trial. Go to sling.com slash locked on, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and sign up for your free seven-day trial today. Sling.com slash locked on and find out why Sling TV is the best way to watch college football. Locked on Nittany Lions is also brought to you by Vivid Seats. If you're looking for Penn State tickets this season, or need tickets to any show or sporting event, you got to check out Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all the live events you want to go to. And to make things even better, there's a special promo code offer for Locked On listeners. Use the promo code Locked On, and you get $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. So go to the App Store Google Play, download the Vivid Seats app today, and then use the promo code Locked On. that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and get $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer. Every purchase on Vivid Seats is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app today, use that promo code Locked On, and get $20 off orders of $200 or more. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event. Uh, we are with John McGonigal from the Center Daily Times. You can find him on Twitter at jmcgonigal9. Uh, John, I want to shift the focus a little bit to this week's game. Mm-hmm. It will not be an easy one. Penn State going to Ann Arbor. I think, as you mentioned, like a 10.5 point, 11 point underdog. Lions going to this one. Just just generally going in uh, and seeing what you've seen from Penn State in the last couple weeks and now knowing that Michigan is... Uh, right now, the favorite to win the Big Ten, a top five team, and a college football playoff contender. What kind of chances do you think Penn State has going up to the big house this weekend? Look, uh, Penn State, I, w- I was looking into this a little bit the other day. Penn State has only been 
you know, double digit underdogs five other times in James Franklin's tenure. The only two times they've covered were at home against Ohio state in 2014, when they took the mm-hmm. future national champions to double overtime and lost. And then in 2016, when they upset them as 17 and a half point favorites, but Jim Harbaugh is, you know, has, has never covered in his, in, you know, in the past three years coming off a of bye. they actually lost last year as double digit favorites to Michigan State, or was it? La- it might have been last year or the year before. Um, coming yeah, off, yeah, I think it was last. Year. Yeah, it was last year. As double-digit favorites to Michigan State at home, and they and they lost. So there, there's been a history of this. You know, Michigan quarterback Shea Patterson's playing really well. Uh, interestingly, a couple weeks ago, vaulted himself from off the board to like the fourth favorite for the Heisman, according to Bovada, yeah. which is interesting uh, to say the least. But Penn State, Penn State might have going for it a little bit. You know, Shea Patterson is a better quarterback than Nate Stanley. I think Nate Stanley proved that, uh, you know, in a negative way uh, last weekend. But in terms of the type of offense, the traditional kind of style, you know, Penn State will see that style now back-to-back weeks, which is a, a good thing, I think, for Brent Pry's unit, a, a unit that yeah. has improved and has played well. So I, I like I like where Penn State is sitting defensively. Offensive, yeah. Offensively, I'm still – you saw some good things, like I said, from DeAndre and, and KJ, and uh, the offensive line was was solid. And But, you know, Miles didn't really get going uh, that you know that much against Iowa. Uh, and, you know, Iowa's defensive front did play well. Anthony Nelson, AJ Epinesa, those pass rushers, big bodies made it difficult on Sanders. And Michigan's defensive line is better than that. So – I think it's I think it's going to be one of those grinded out like you know twenty one seventeen kind of ugly slugfest games. Um, not sure which way I'm leaning at, at this point, mm-hmm. but uh, it's going to be I think it's going to be one of those kind of ugly you know last team who has the ball wins. Yeah, I can see that too. And also, like, you look at Michigan's schedule; like they don't have a really like a great win. They blew out no. Wisconsin, but you know, is Wisconsin that great? Right. Eh. They beat Michigan State at Michigan State. That's that's a solid win. Do not get me wrong. They held them to less than 100 yards. Very impressive. Yeah. And you do worry about a maybe less than usual mobile Trace McSorley going against, I'd probably say, the best front seven in, in college football, or at least, you know, the top two or three in that category. So there are concerns, but at the same time, their offense isn't that impressive. They haven't really proven it yet. I think Penn State can definitely hang hang in this game. Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned it, the Michigan State game that, you know, you know Michigan won 21 to 7. But uh, Michigan State quarterback Brian Lewerke was playing through a shoulder injury uh, that kept him out uh, of this past weekend or at least partially, I think. Uh, but you know, he didn't play well against Michigan because of a shoulder injury that he sustained against Penn State. And then their loss was to Notre Dame in the first week of the year. And obviously Notre Dame is you know, a top, I think they're top three, top four team in the country right now. Mm-hmm. And they lost 24 to 17. You look at that score and say, okay, well, they played them close. Notre Dame had that, had that game in, in hand yeah. pretty, pretty well week one. I mean, that was, it was a pretty dominant performance uh, by the fighting Irish. And so, yeah, Michigan's win over Wisconsin, you know, at the time looked really good after Wisconsin just got beat pretty badly by Northwestern doesn't look as great. So this might be one of the first real, you know, first real tests since Notre Dame that, that Michigan will get. Now it, it should be good that they get it off the bye week. 
Um, and, and like you said, that front seven is really good. Uh, Rashawn Gary, Chase Win- Winovich, those guys are, those guys are, are, are beasts. I mean, put, yeah. put, it, put it what it is. I mean, the, those guys are, those guys are animals. So it'll be tough on, you know, Will Fries and Ryan Bates and, you know, Matt Limegrover coach, uh, the offensive line coach for, for him to game plan for, for those, uh, for those guys. They did it last year. They, they did it last year. That was, that right. was a big, big, big talking point heading into last year's game that, you know, Michigan boasts this great defense and Penn State went out, put 42 on them, but that was at home. Yeah. And that was when they had Saquon Barkley, Deshaun Hamilton and a, and a yeah. cooking offense. Yeah. And Joe scored on, on the, Joe on the second, right. So Saquon scored a direct snap on the second play of the game. That would, that'd be cool if that happened again, but yeah. I don't think Saquon's eligible anymore. Nah, I don't think so. I think he's doing pretty well for himself too. <laughs> he's doing all right. We have to step away for another quick break. Stay with us here on Locked On Nittany Lions. All right, we're with John McGonigal of the Center Daily Times. John, uh, before I let you go, do you have time for a few quick true and false questions? All right, let's let's do it here. So the first one, we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier. True or false, Jake Pittiger is a reliable kicker now. Oh, boy. I don't know how you stretch that definition, uh, but I'll let you, I'll let you d- define it however you like. Yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say false for now. Still, uh, he had like I said, he had those three kicks, those three field goals. They were clutch. He comes up with 12 points in a big game, but you also saw him struggle, and that was at home. And so I mm-hmm. think if he's put in a pressure situation out of Michigan. If he goes ahead and makes three 40-yard field goals at Michigan or two 40-yard field goals at Michigan or makes one really, really big 40-yard field goal at Michigan, mm-hmm. then I'm ready to kind of put that there. But um, until then, it kind of remains to be seen for me still. Yeah. But you do. Positive, I, I, positive and I'm with performance. you. Positive right. Performance. I feel a lot better than I did. Or I'm sure most Penn State fans do, and I'm sure he does, exactly. than he did two, three weeks ago. So Exactly. That's important. All right. Another true or false uh, and should point out, uh, Yator Gross Matos took home the Defensive Big Ten Player of the Week award after his strong showing against Iowa. Do you, true or false on this, Penn State's defensive line has taken the biggest step since week one of any group, position group on this team? Yeah, I, I'd say, yeah. Uh, you know, we kind of knew what Sharif Miller was going to be entering this season, we knew that he was a draft prospect. And we knew that Shane Simmons had potential, but he got hurt early in the year, and he's just now working his way back. We knew that Shaka Tony was a pass rusher, and he showed that against Indiana, you know, <laughs> with four sacks yeah. in, in six minutes. And we knew that Yeter Gross Matos had potential. Everyone was talking about it. That's why he was one of three true freshmen to play last year. It was just a matter of him understanding the playbook, understanding his role and not thinking too much and just playing, reacting, using his athleticism and understanding where he needed to be on the field at all times. And he's using that six foot five frame to his advantage right now. I mean, look, he had 10 tackles, led the team, the defensive end led the team in tackles out at Indiana with 10. And then he had nine tackles against Iowa. Four were for loss and he had two sacks in the four previous big 10 games that Iowa played. They allowed two total sacks and gross Matos goes out and does it in one night. So the kid is playing in insane football right now. Yeah. And he, look, he has the frame. He has everything going for him. 
that this can be a real breakout year for him to set up an even crazier 2019. I mean, this kid has unreal potential. They saw it when he was a four-star recruit coming out of Virginia, and they're seeing it now in in Happy Valley. This kid's good. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he's been a real bright spot of this defense, and the whole line's been been really, really good since, uh, especially in the last month or so. Yeah. Uh, All right, John, last one. True or false? If Penn State wins this weekend, it's the most impressive win for James Franklin at Penn State. Ooh, boy. You know what? I would say, yeah, I, I, I think so. I, I think just with the way this season has gone, look, they, they, had, they could rally. And, and, you know, in 2016, obviously what they did against Ohio State was extremely impressive. But you had the whiteout. Right. You were at home. You had that, you know – the season kind of hadn't gone the way it wanted you know, you wanted it to go and it's kind of the same story here but with a potential hobbled Trace McSorley with a passing game that still hasn't clicked in Ann Arbor against like you said arguably the best front seven in, in college football and a really Probably the best defense yeah a really young team you think about what James Franklin and Nittany Lions accomplished in 2016 against Ohio State, and it was led by Marcus Allen, Grant Haley, Jason Cabinda, these older guys who had been there before. And if Penn Mm -hmm. State is going to pull off the upset at Michigan, it's going to be Micah Parsons making plays. It's going to be Eter Gross Matos. It's going to be Lamont Wade. If Jonathan Sutherland gets in there, it's safety. K.J. Hamler is still a redshirt freshman. People forget that. Pat Fryermuth is a true freshman. It's going to be these young guys making plays and stepping up in the biggest game of, you know, in the biggest of moments and really setting themselves up for better careers after the fact, if they're able to kind of pull right. off. So in terms of, you know, which would be more impressive, give me, give me the road win at, with, with yeah. being double digit underdogs while most of your contributions are coming from freshmen or retro freshmen. I think that'd be really impressive. Yeah. I don't know if it's the most important win like that. The 2016 exactly. Ohio state games, like it's on its own separate level for that, but Absolutely. just like for where this team has been the last couple of weeks, and they have an opportunity to go get a superb win and to really change the entire narrative of this season, kind of change the narrative for James Franklin as a coach on the road against ranked opponents and, and all this other stuff and kind of a season and career to find for Trace McSorley too. So it could be could be a great win. But yeah, exactly. Like, who knows? Like you said, you kind of differentiated there, the difference between uh, most important and most impressive. Uh, I still mm-hmm. think even if they go and win at Michigan – the most important win in James Franklin's tenure will be that Ohio State win. I don't think there will ever be a win that touches that unless they go to you know go to the playoff one day. Uh, that yeah. could be the, the the one that that trumps it. But impressive, go go beat Michigan as double digit underdogs with a young team. Yeah, that's that'd be a pretty remarkable feat for James Franklin and the Nittany Lions. It's always a remarkable feat when you join us here on Locked On <laughs> Nittany Lions, John. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your week and uh, safe travels to Ann Arbor. Awesome. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. All right. That will do it for today's show. Thank you, as always, for listening. We will be back tomorrow with more updates and more show about Penn State, Michigan to get you ready for that big game in Ann Arbor this weekend. If you've missed any of our shows, uh, we had one on Monday recapping the Penn State-Iowa game. Uh, We also have a fresh show in your podcast inbox every weekday during the 2018 season here so make sure you subscribe to locked on nittany lions on itunes stitcher google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts 
You'll get that episode automatically. Also, leave us a rating and review. We really, really appreciate that. Helps us out and helps other people find the show. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can uh, email us at lockedonmitneylions at gmail.com. Also, find us on Twitter at lockedonmitney. We're always looking for questions, comments, anything you want us to, anything you want me to talk about on air. Just let me know, and we'll uh, we'll get it done here for you. But we will be back later this week with more discussion about Penn State, Michigan. I'll talk to you on Wednesday.